All right, let's take our Bible and turn to the book of Exodus uh, very quickly. We will not stay here very long. Exodus chapter 20, we'll look at the ninth commandment tonight. The ninth commandment, verse number 16. All right, the Bible says, Exodus 20, verse number 16. Thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. All right, let's pray. Lord, would you please bless our our time of study uh, of your word, Lord, as we look in your word in the various passages about this subject. I pray that you would uh, search our heart, Lord, you would help us to see uh, New Testament truth, Old Testament truth, help us to see who you are and how you are. Lord, please bless our time in your word and encourage us and strengthen us and guide us. And if need be, Lord, I ask you to convict us and uh, help us, Lord, to just be a people that are uh, desirous, Lord, to be used for your honor and for your glory. And so, Lord, bless our, our study tonight, we pray, and guide me, help me to help your people. In Jesus' name, amen. The ninth commandment, uh, we, uh, thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. It's more commonly referred to as lying. What's interesting about this commandment is that this is the only commandment uh, that speaks directly and specifically about the use of the tongue. You might say, well, uh, taking the name of God in vain uh, would refer to the tongue. But actually, as we saw in our study on that uh, some time ago, that taking the name of God in vain is not just about words, it's also about the life. And so this is a one, one of the, uh, probably the only commandment that really and specifically speaks to the use of the tongue. Now what's important about this commandment is that this commandment is based, and like, <clears throat> like the other commandments, for instance, the first commandment, which is, thou shalt have no other gods before me, and the second commandment, which is, the one that's speaking to gra- about graven images, is both of those commandments, along with this one, are based in the truth of God's own nature. In other words, the first commandment is, Thou shalt have no other gods before me, because God in His nature is unique, and God is alone. There is none like Him. There is none similar to Him. And so the commandment kind of comes down from that truth about who God is. And we saw that when we looked at the first commandment. The second commandment is similar in that uh, that, that also is, is uh, it, because of God's nature, because He is outside of His creation, because He is not anything that is created, therefore, He says, Thou shalt have no, other graven, have no graven images. Uh, make unto thee any graven image, rather. This commandment is likewise. Now look at Titus chapter, chapter 1 very quickly, if you would, and we'll see the basis of this commandment, why this is in the Scripture. Titus chapter 1 and verse number 2, and then we'll be also in Hebrews right after that. Titus 1 verse 2 says this, In hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie promised before the world began. So it says here, and also in Hebrews, Chapter 8, if you'll look over there very quickly, uh, just a few pages over in Hebrews chapter 8 and verse number 18. 
Did I say Hebrews 8.18? There's not an 8.18. What's that? There's not an 8.18. So let me see what I did wrong here. I probably just typed the wrong, uh, the wrong verse. Let me see if I can find it easily. Of course, I'd do the wrong verse. Somebody give me some help. I know you know this verse. Somebody's, somebody's going to find it before me. It's a race. There we go. Thank you, Ben. See, you're smart. Hebrews 6, verse 18. All right, it says this. Uh, verse 17 says, Wherein God willing more abundantly to show unto the heirs of, of promise the immutability of his counsel, confirmed it by an oath. In other words, when God says something, it will not change. He will do it. Because if it changed, he would be a liar, right? And he cannot lie. That's what Titus says. Verse number 18 says this, that by two immutable things in which it was impossible for God to lie, we might have a strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us. So the fact that God cannot lie as a matter of his ability, not that he, uh, for some reason, people sometimes have problems with this idea that God cannot do something. There are things God obviously cannot do. And, uh, and so sometimes they kind of water it down to say, well, God, he, he will not lie. Well, that's true as well, but it's more than that. He, he cannot lie by his own statement. He tells us his own limitation, if you will. And the reason that, that, the, that the Lord cannot lie is because it is contrary to his very nature, just like God cannot be, God cannot be unholy, right? Just like God cannot be temporary or, or, or be, uh, uh, what's, what's the word I'm looking for? The opposite of eternal is temporal, right? So God cannot be that because it is, his, it is part of his nature to be eternal. So that can never change. Now we say, well, Jesus, well, he, he lived and he died and lived. This. Yeah, but Jesus is when Jesus came down and dwelt among us as human flesh, and so he took up, he willingly limited himself in that way. But God, the Almighty, and we know Jesus is God, but the Almighty is, he is truth. It is his nature to tell the truth, to say things that are uh, consistent with reality. That's what truth is. So as a result, his commandment is, Thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor, because God himself is truth. Just a few verses, we'll look at one or two of them. You can be looking at, um, Revel let's look at Revelation 3. We're here in Hebrews, so look at Revelation 3, but we'll, I'll read some others as well. John 14, verse 6. Somebody quote it. Brother, you missed the beginning. There you go. See, Jesus saith unto them, unto him rather, I am the way, the truth, and the life. All right? I am the truth. I am the truth. You also see in uh, 1 John chapter 5, verse 6. Now, now hold, your, hold your thinking cap there. Listen to what the Bible says here. This is he that came by water and blood, even Jesus Christ, not by water only, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit that beareth Witness. Now, what you're going to see is as we see these ideas of truth, 
You're also going to see the mentioning of bearing witness a lot, okay? False witness, faithful witness. You'll see this idea of witness, and that's going to be important in a minute. But it says, and it is the Spirit that beareth witness because the Spirit is truth. So in John 14, Jesus is truth. In 1 John 5, 6, the Spirit is truth. Now that, that reminds us of the deity of the Holy Spirit, right? The Holy Spirit is not just a force. He is a person with whom we interact as believers. He dwells within us and He is very God. Now here's, here's a, a little nugget for you, a little reminder that whenever someone tries to describe or tries to say that the Holy Spirit is not God, but He's God's force or something like that, that's not their target. Nobody, no, nobody really, understand what I'm trying to say, nobody really cares about that doctrine. When they say that, what they're trying to undermine is the doctrine of the Trinity. And why are they trying to do that? Because they want to demote Jesus. That's the goal. That's the goal. That is the satanic goal. The satanic goal is not the Holy Spirit. It's Jesus. It's to demote Jesus. So uh, ideas and, and debates about the Trinity, about the, the, pers the, the personage of the Holy Spirit, the personality of the Holy Spirit, all those things go back to one thing. Who is Jesus? That's the only thing that really, that's the crux of the matter. Just keep that in mind. But in this verse, it says the Spirit is truth. Revelation chapter 3, you're there? Look at what it says. And unto the angel, verse 14, I'm sorry, and unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, these things saith the... What's it say? Amen. The Amin, which is to say, so is it. It's a statement, of course, in, in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. It's a statement of agreement with a, with a fact, with truth, right? Like in, uh, in Deuteronomy, I read recently, they were to go into the promised land and they were to have the children of Israel on one side, part of them on one side, part on the other side, and they would read the blessings and they would read the curses and all the people were to say, amen, which is to say, which is to say, so is it, this is true. Well, that's what... This is actually a name given to Christ in this verse. He is the amen, the truth. He is the truth. That's what this is saying. And then he says, <clears throat> excuse me, the faithful and true witness. By contrast, in our, in our ninth commandment, thou shalt not bear, bear false witness, but Jesus is the true witness he speaks the truth always. Look at chapter 19, verse 11 of Revelation. At the second advent, when the Lord comes to reign and to destroy His enemies, the Lord Jesus does. And I saw, this is one of my favorite passages of Scripture. Verse 11, And I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse. And he, he that sat upon him was called, as a matter of his name now, faithful and true. He's faithful. He's a faithful witness. So we don't just say that the Lord always tells the truth. No, He can't do anything but that because He is. He, his person is truth. He is truth. Now, can, I, can, can you, can I understand all the implications of that statement? No. We, we believe it. We accept it by faith. God is true. But what, just like Hebrews chapter 6 says, 
right? It says that we can, we can derive a great sense of consolation knowing that God cannot lie. Whatever He said to us, He will never break. He, he cannot break it. He binds Himself to His own Word. You say, well, can't, you know, the famous riddle, can God make a rock He can't lift? Can God make a square circle or a round square? Well, those are illogical questions. They're just dumb questions designed to get you off of the gospel, really what it's about. That's the bottom line. But there are things that the things that God cannot do are the things that He Himself says He cannot do that are against His very nature. Now, in Proverbs chapter 6, verse 16, we'll look at that just uh, very briefly. Proverbs 6, if you'd look at that. Verse number 16, you're familiar with these verses. I, I, I know we're just doing kind of a review, excuse me. Verse number 16 of Proverbs 6, the Bible says, These six things doth the Lord hate. Yea, seven are an abomination unto him. What is an abomination? An abomination goes beyond just hatred. An abomination is something that that if, if, we, if we were to put it into human terminology, like, of course, you, know, you can use it with human terminology, but an, an abomination is something that would provoke a gag reflex. I love those videos. You are missing out if you are not, if you don't, or don't see the videos where people are, men are changing their kids' diapers and are gagging. That is hilarious. That is hilarious. Uh, I never had that problem. But it's funny to watch other people have that problem. That is an abomination. That's kind of a, a living example of what an abomination is. Did you do that, Brother Ari, when you were? No, okay. Ari, he's, he's a man. Yes, you, you did. No, you did. course. Yes. It's an abomination to them. That's what the word abomination means. It's not just, I hate something. It's a loathing, something that, that it's a reaction that comes out of one's nature. See, it goes down deeper than just, I don't like that, or I really don't like that. It's like almost uncontrollable. That's the way God is with sin. You, you guys probably have food or maybe at one point in your life, you had food that actually was like, like you would literally run away from. Isaiah, his is fish. He hates fish. He hates fish. My brother, I talked to him today, actually. He's, he's, in the, he's still in, the, in the detention center. But he's been calling me on Sunday and on Wednesday because he wants to know what I'm preaching on. That's why he called me. So I'm glad of that. Uh, but he told me that everything they serve is, has onions in it. And onions are an abomination to my brother. The Bible says in these verses, verse number 16, seven are an abomination unto him, a proud look, a lying tongue, hands and hands that shed innocent blood, and heart that deviseth wicked imaginations, feet that be swift in running to mischief, a false witness that speaketh lies, and he that soweth discord among brethren. Now in those seven, there's only one of those that is repeated. Do you know what that is? 
lying. Lying is not just something that God hates. Lying, uh, Proverbs 12, verse 22 says this, Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord. It provokes a re- is the Lord in His holiness, in His, the fact that He is the amen, the truth. He, when, when He hears and sees His creation lie, and we are the only ones that do it. Of all the things that God created, our variety is the only, the only variety that, that lies, that says things contrary to the truth. When God hears that, when God sees that, His nature reacts to it like a gag reflex. You say, well, you shouldn't use that phraseology with God. Well, does not Revelation chapter 3 says, I will spew thee out of my mouth? God gags. That's, I mean, I know it's, I know it's figurative, I know, but, uh, but that's what the Lord thinks of lying. It's in His very nature. So let me ask you a question. If, that, if God reacts so strongly to it, what should be our reaction? What should be our attitude toward lying? Should it be a casual dislike? Should it be a, you know, a... Uh, uh, a kind of a neutral or slightly negative view of untruths or exaggerations or stretching the truth or, you know, little white lies or whatever. No, 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 no. That's not the way the Lord views it. It is not something that is just He he dislikes. It is something that is abominable to Him, abominable to Him. But there's another point. So this commandment is based in God's own nature. That's what we see here. But there's another part of this in which we see, if we examine this commandment, there is a relationship between this commandment and, uh, and the truth and the Scripture. We might say the gospel and the Scripture, which we know they, those are over, over, overlapping. So the, the, the Scripture and the gospel, the, the fact that the Scripture and the gospel is is true and real. In other words, it is consistent with reality. In other words, the things in the gospel, the things that are written in Scripture, are they real and true and factual or not? Come on, give me, give me an amen. You know, there's a lot of people. There's a lot of people in churches, far, far more than our variety, in fact. They go to churches and they study and read the Bible, sort of, and they don't accept that what the Bible says is actually true. Not the history, not the principles. They're generally true in some cases. The history is sometimes you look, especially at the beginning of Genesis, it's allegorical. It's a literary, uh, it's, a, it's a literary device. It's, in other words, they read the Bible, but they do not accept the truth of the Bible, that it is absolutely true. And part of that is because they don't believe in absolute truth begin with. But here's why the, the, the fact of the Bible and the gospel is actually true. Here's why it matters to us. Because we say it's true. Now, the Bible's not true. The gospel is not true because we say it's true. But we do say it's true. Do you say the gospel is true? Jesus actually died for sinners and rose from the dead. Do you, you believe? And are you convinced that Jesus did rise from the dead? He is alive at this moment. Do you believe that? Why? Because that's what the gospel says, right? Do you believe that Adam was a real person and that David was a real king and that 
Jesus will really come back to reign upon the earth and all the other Bible truths. You believe they are true. You tell other people they are true. It matters if they're true to you, does it not? If, they're, if it's just an allegory and it's just a fairy tale, does that matter to you? It matters to me. So the, the fact of the truth of the Scripture and the Gospel matters to us because, listen now, if it is not actually fact, if it is not actually true, and what we're stating as true is false, we're transgressing the ninth commandment because we are bearing witness that something is true and it is not. If the Bible is not true, we are liars. Think about that. This is why the truth, our God is truth, the Spirit is truth, Jesus is the truth, He is the amen, so is it. He is the truth, the faithful and true witness. We hold the Bible as the truth. Truth matters to us. If something is real or not real, accurate or inaccurate, matters to us. Because we take the ninth commandment seriously. We don't want to believe something that's false. Right? On the other hand, if we deny something that is actually true, say Islam, Brother David. If Islam is true and we've been denying it the whole time, then we're false witnesses. Right? Truth matters. That's what this commandment shows us. Truth matters. The ninth commandment supports the truth of the gospel. Not only that, Remember, the ninth commandment also casts light on all false teachers that peddle lies. You know, there's a whole, there's a whole cult that has built a whole pseudo-history of the Americas. You know that? The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, a.k.a. the Mormons, have developed the Book of Mormon is actually a history book. It's a pseudo-history book of all of these grand events that supposedly happened on the American, the North American continent. We're talking way before there were any Europeans here. Like a couple thousand years ago. Now, now think about that. That's all false. But yet they believe and teach it as true. Now, I don't want to be in that place. Right? <laughs> they teach it as a fact, and yet there is not a lick of truth to it at all. That's a violation of the ninth commandment. They bear witness of something that something is true and it is actually false. That's, that's called a false witness. They are liars and in violation of the ninth commandment. Now, do they know that they are liars? That's irrelevant. It doesn't matter. See, we think, well, if you don't know that you're lying, then it's in it. No, no, no. To bear false witness is you give a testimony of something that is fact when it is not. Now, of course, we know there is less culpability when it comes to whether someone lies intentionally or whether they lie by accident. But a lie is still a lie. It's still an untruth. Now, how many of you have heard of postmodernism? One of the cruxes of postmodernism is the idea that there is no such thing as absolute and objective truth. Truth is relative. That's why, and built upon that idea, and this is all throughout our, our culture. It's everywhere. If you watch the news, it's on there. Your truth, my truth. 
well, that's your truth. That's what you think. And that's good for you. But is there any objective truth? You see, postmodernism, which is the doctrine behind that, does not allow for absolute truth. Truth is relative. But the ninth commandment, the, the ninth commandment overthrows that. Because the ninth commandment assumes that there are things that are actually true. Right? How can you tell a lie if there is no actual truth? <laughs> well, you just can't lie against what you think. It's just, it's just, it's illogical. So the fact that you can lie, the fact that God forbids bearing false witness means that there is a such thing as absolute truth. Well, whose truth is absolute truth? God's truth. Because He is truth, and everything He says is true, and so that's our standard. Boom. That's our standard. Now, look at us, Psalm 58 real quick. Psalm 58. Now think about lying, bearing false witness. Of all the Ten Commandments, lying is probably the easiest to do. Would you agree? This is a subjective uh, judgment, but... Of all the commandments, lying is probably the easiest and simplest to violate. Lying comes, excuse me, lying comes very natural to us as people, as human beings. It's a part of our nature. And you know what? Lying manifests itself very, very early in our, in our lives. It's not something we have to be taught. It's something we know. We just, by default, do it. And this, that's what's indicated in Psalm 58, verse 3. The Bible says, verse 1 says, Do ye indeed speak righteousness, O congregation? Do ye judge uprightly, O ye sons of men? So that's the subject, sons of men, which is another word for what? Humanity, all, all people. Yea, in heart ye work wickedness, ye weigh the violence of your hands in the earth. The wicked are estranged from the womb. They go astray as soon as they be born. Speaking lies. This is why you don't have to teach a child to lie. It's part of their nature, that wicked, sinful nature that we have. And because lying is so easy, listen now, because lying is so easy, it is probably the command that is most widely violated. It involves a part of your body that just so easily slips, right? So if you want to nail somebody to, if you, if you want to point out someone's sin, it doesn't, you don't have to go any further than the ninth commandment. Because the ninth commandment is one that's universally, universally transgressed all the time. It is the most easily, uh, it most easily and readily proves that a man is a sinner before God. And furthermore, because of that, it most immediately shows a man and in his condemnation. And you know what? The Bible actually says this. Not only is it probably the easiest one to do and the one we most readily violate, and it's the one that most readily shows us that we are sinful before God, but attached to that is Revelation 21, verse 8. And Revelation 22, verse 15. Revelation 21, verse 8 says, But the fearful and the unbelieving, and it goes on, it says, And all liars shall have their part in the lake 
which burneth with fire and brimstone. Revelation 22, verse 15 tells us that, that all liars, they that whoso loveth and maketh a lie will be excluded, banned, uh, uh, cast away, prevented from entering God's, the city of God, New Jerusalem. And that is probably one of the most common sins. And so you combine that all together, lying becomes, you know, you think about God says, and all liars shall be cast into the lake which burneth fire and brimstone. That includes pretty much everybody, right? This is a, this is a statement of universal condemnation by the ninth commandment. No one that says they're righteous. No one, no one can say that they're righteous as long as they're looking at the ninth commandment. And no one can say they're going to heaven as long as they're looking at the ninth commandment, you know, outside of Christ, of course. Now, lastly, I want to talk about one last thing, which is Christian lying. Christian lying. To do that, look at Proverbs chapter 10 and Proverbs chapter 26. How do Christians lie? Because Christians, of course, know they should not lie, bear false witness against their neighbor. But how do we do it anyway? We have developed ways to lie, to bear false witness against our neighbor, and to do it in a way that we have somehow come to convince ourselves that it's not a big deal which is false. Proverbs 10, verse number uh, 18. The Bible says this, he that, he that hideth hatred with lying lips, and he that uttereth slander is a fool. Notice that. Hideth hatred with lying lips. Look at ch chapter 26 and verse 24. Bible says this. He that hateth dissembleth, not disassembleth, but dissembleth with his lips and layeth up deceit within him. Dissemble. Dissemble, I love this word. Here's what it means. To alter or disguise the semblance of one's character, feeling, design, or action, to, so as to conceal, to deceive its real nature. To give a false or feigned semblance to, to cloak or disguise by feigned appearance. Christians are good at this. So here's what you have in verse number 24. He that hateth dissembleth with his lips. In other words, in his heart he hates. In his heart he has resentment. He has bitterness. In his heart he's angry. But with his lips he's concealing that. His words are nice, right? That's what dissembleth means. Keep reading, verse 25. When he speaketh fair, believe him not, for there are seven abominations in his heart. Notice how it's different? His words are lying. Whose hatred is covered by deceit, lies. His wickedness shall be showed before the whole congregation. So here we have, and this is not the only one. I could read Jeremiah chapter 9, verse 8. says this, Their tongue is as an arrow shot out. It speaketh deceit. One speaketh peaceably to his neighbor with his mouth, but in heart he layeth his weight. 
As Christians, we walk around with resentment and anger toward other people, but we do not go to them and deal with the problem like Jesus told us to. Instead, we push it down. We retain the anger. We fertilize the anger. It becomes resentment and bitterness. And then we see the object of our anger. We talk to them as if everything's fine. That's lying. That's dissembling. And that is wrong. It's sinful. The Lord says one thing to do if you or if I have ought against someone. What does that mean, ought? People use that as if that's a thing. What does ought mean? O-U-G-H-T. Huh? It just means anything. It's a box you can put anything in. So if you have ought against someone, doesn't mean you are angry at them. It means you have anything against them. It doesn't matter what it is, big, small. It might be your fault, it might be their fault, it doesn't matter. But if you have anything between them and you're not willing to let love cover it and forget about it, you have a responsibility to go to that person. Because if you, re- if you hold it in your heart in resentment and you're, you continue to be angry at that person, but then you, you talk to them as if you're not, you're lying. That's what these verses are saying. Dissembling, deceit, hiding hatred with lying lips. This is one way that Christians lie. They hide resentment, bitterness, and anger with lying lips. Southerners are really good at this. Number two, Christians lie by making one, uh, Christians lie by making like making like a person that making themselves like a person that wants to seek the Lord when they don't really want to seek the Lord. They talk like a Christian. They talk like a person who loves God. They know the lingo. I'm afraid that so many green billions are violating and transgressing the ninth commandment. Everybody's saved and God is the most important thing to everybody. Every person you meet. If you doubt it, just ask them. And yet their life betrays that. This was true of the children of Israel. Jeremiah chapter 42 verse 20 says, For ye dissembled, remember that, what that word means, concealed, right? Ye dissembled in your hearts when ye sent me unto the Lord. Now, Jeremiah is speaking. He's talking to Israel and he said, Ye dissembled in your hearts when ye sent me to the Lord your God, saying, Pray for us unto the Lord our God, and according to all that the Lord our God shall say and declare unto us, we will do. So they had beautiful words. It's like Jeremiah's like, finally, they're wanting to repent. And it was all fake. They lied. Making ourselves like people that want to seek the Lord when we really don't want to seek the Lord is one way Christians lie. Listen. It doesn't matter if people think a lot of you and think of a lot of your spirituality or my spirituality if we're not actually spiritually minded. It doesn't matter. But to many Christians, that's all that matters. The only thing that matters, the only concern they have is how they are viewed by other people. It does matter how other people view you. But in comparison to what God sees, it's a minor consideration, or it should be. 
Let's not be liars. Bearing false witness of our own selves. Lastly, we Christians lie by speaking what, we're, what are called little white lies in order to spare people's feelings, in order to get out of a, between a rock and a hard place, get out of a jam, or sometimes because there's a, a desired end, something we're trying to get to. So we stretch the truth or we, we, we skim it a little bit or leave off part of it or whatever. White lies are still lies. Little lies are lies that are just little, but they're still lies. You know what? We've developed in our culture, we developed sayings to defend these kinds of lies. It's a diplomatic untruth. Some of these are quite comical. Yeah, that's what politicians do. We bend the truth for a good cause. We stretch the truth to keep the peace. We give a harmless piece of fiction. Let me ask you a question. Do you, in your heart, believe that Jesus told a white lie? No. No lie. We should remember what the Bible says in the New Testament now to a child of God. Remember, we're talking about Christian lies. Ephesians 4.25 says, Wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor for we are members one of another. Colossians 3 verse 9 says, Lie not one to another, seeing that ye have put off the old man with his deeds. You see, the old man, that's what, that's what we used to be before we knew God. When lying would just flow off our lips, just real, real easy, like just any time it was convenient. And now the Lord says, put it away. Let it never cross your tongue. I know we put ourselves into difficult places <laughs> verbally, do we not? We, we do stupid and we say stupid and it puts us in a place where we can really make a mess of something if we speak the truth. But, like, but let me ask you a question. Do we, like the Lord, hate and abhor lying? You know, if, for, for, for Isaiah, it doesn't matter if you give him a, a whole fish or a bite of a fish stick. He abhors it the same, right? <laughs> right? And God doesn't matter if it's a big lie or little lie, white lie or black lie or whatever other, whatever color of the rainbow you want to have, God hates it all the same. But the thing is, we should hate it too. I uh, Psalm 119, 163, I hate and abhor lying, but thy law do I love. Proverbs, Proverbs 13, verse 5, a righteous man hateth lying, but a wicked man is loathsome and cometh to shame. You know, if we can't, talk, if we can't say the truth, 100% truth, we just need to be quiet. We need to remain silent. Now, the last thing I wanted to point out is I try to Mind us of the gospel. We saw in the previous commandment, thou shalt not kill. Was kill? No, that wasn't it. What was the eighth commandment? Is it steal? Okay, I'm going to have to look it up now. 
I get them all confused when I'm not looking at my notes. Yes, thou shalt not steal. And we saw both with thou shalt not kill and thou shalt not steal. What did we find? We find that both of those commandments that were present, violations of those commandments were present at the cross. Barabbas was a robber. Jesus died in the place of thieves. Right? His, one of his disciples who betrayed him was a thief. That was part of his, his uh, you know, his whole betrayal had to do with that. And we know murder was, murder was part of the cross. That's, that's from a human perspective. That's what brought Jesus to the cross, the hatred and the murder. But this commandment is also at the cross. This commandment is at the cross because they brought false witnesses against Jesus. They had to lie about him because he was righteous, right? They didn't have anything on him, so they had to bring up false doctrine or, or they had to bring up false witnesses that, that, whose stories did not agree so that they can catch him in something. But, but it's not just that. It's not just that. They made God a liar by denying who Jesus was because God bore witness to Christ. But the second thing I want you to see is this. Men lied against Christ, set up false witnesses to say He did things that He did not do. And do you know in the end, think about it now, in the end, do you know what finally brought about Christ's condemnation? Do you know what it was? It wasn't the false witnesses. It was the truth. Think about it. The false witnesses are not what finally brought those people to, 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 the straw that broke the camel's back. It was the fact that Jesus refused to lie. Because they said, Art thou the Christ, the Son of the blessed? I adjure thee by God. Tell me whether thou be Christ, the Son of the blessed. Y'all remember, remember that? And what did Jesus say? Well, you know, oh man, this is going to get me in trouble. I'll give a little lie. No, he spoke the truth. He said, thou sayest, which is, that means, yes. Our Lord's, think about it, our Lord's obedience to the ninth commandment is what led him to the cross because he would not lie. They lied to try to get him in trouble, but in the end, it was his refusal to lie willingly knowing full well what, what the result would be, it was his refusal to lie that took him to the cross. It's amazing how the commandments are mixed up in the gospel because we know the Lord died for liars, right? Those that gave false testimony against him, he died for those. And those that hated him for it and condemned him, he died for those. Those that tell white lies and black lies, he, he died for those. You can't go to heaven by not being a liar because you already are a liar. <laughs> Nothing you can do to take that away except trust in Jesus. Amen. Let's pray.